Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 706-0111. 706-0111 on this glorious Friday morning. Not only did the Astros win, man, they I'm trying to remember. I'm going to look up the last time they lost a game at Cleveland. Sure seems like they played pretty well at Cleveland in recent years. Um, uh, outstanding. McCormick had a big night. Candy had a big night. And, of course, Verlander pitch. Fantastic again. Uh, didn't have to stretch him too, too far. Went six innings. Didn't allow any runs. And, and the... Um, Astros scored six runs for the second game in a row, and it's uh, six is a. I love that number six one six zero six two. Those are perfect. That is perfect. Uh, so, like the way that's going. Framber pitches tonight. He's got a major league leading seventeen straight uh, quality starts. I mean, when you. You know me, I don't like streaks. Uh, he's kind of getting into crazy. It's going to end soon. Hopefully it ends in a win. You know, that that's the best case scenario for the Astros, that his, his streak of consecutive quality starts ends in a win. Like, um, I don't know. He gives up four runs in six innings or seven innings. And the Astros score six or seven, and they win six to four, seven to four. That would be that'd be a perfect way for for it to end. Or he pitches great, and for some reason they pull him before six. But he's such a workhorse. I don't see that happen. I think if it ends, it's going to be because he gave up too many runs, which he's come close recently. He gave up three in the first inning in his last start, and he gave up another run the rest of the way. So we'll see how that plays out. But the real fun, well, you know, the, the number one priority is the Astros win any day they play. But you you can't help but have a little fun with the fact that the little MVPs, not only did they hit one home run, not only did they hit two home runs, not only did they hit three home runs, not only did they hit four home runs, not only did they hit five home runs, not only did they hit six home runs, they hit seven home runs and lost. <laughs> the little MVPs, they hit seven. And, of course, the headline is Otani hits two home runs and yet another loss for the, M- the little MVPs. They hit seven home runs in one game. And lost. Against the A's. <laughs> and lost. No, I'm telling you, the A's are going to catch him. The A's are only three games behind the little MVPs. 
The little MVPs are going to finish with the worst record in baseball, I'm telling you. They're going to. Maybe the Nationals. It's possible they can win more games than the Nationals. Um, But I think they're going to finish with the worst record in the American League. Because uh, the A's are feisty. I mean, the, the A's, to be fair, I mean, they're essentially a, a glorified AAA team right now. But if you go back and look in the last month, the A's have played pretty good baseball. I mean, they, they're playing pretty well. Um, I, that is that is just priceless. Them cats hit seven home runs in one game and lost. Seven course they were all solo shots and they lost eight to seven <laughs> that is just priceless that is really 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 funny so um there was almost a problem last night in the astro game jake mars I, I, okay it's it's at the point now where the astros have to see that they've got to get this guy off the field i mean last night it's the bottom of the eighth they hit a fly ball to left Alimas diaz is kind of camping out to catch the fly ball. And Myers runs into him. The ball flops out, and and Diaz is holding his finger. I'm like, oh, he broke his finger. This bozo just broke his finger. Fortunately, he stayed in the game, so hopefully nothing's bad. But the Astros have got to get Jake Myers off the field. They got to get that guy off my team, Jake Myers. He's got to go. First of all, he looks like. I don't, he always looks confused. Like, he just looks so goofy. Man, the Astros have some goofy players. When Myers is in center and Icky's in right, it's hard to get much goofier than those two. But uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully Myers is not on this team much longer, but we'll see how. That plays out. Like, Dubon can't hit a lick, but I'd rather see Dubon in center field. At least he's fast. Like, Myers is nothing. Oh, that guy drives me crazy. All right. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. I, I got to tell you, I know it's been this way for quite a while, but... I, I just can't get used to it. For those of you who are younger, who may not even realize this, for most of my life, if you were a dog, that was not good. Like, it's still, I, I still have to, when I hear someone say, oh, he's a dog. My first reaction is, call, he just called that cat a dog, you know, kind of in my mind. I don't actually say that. And then I have to think, wait a minute, today that means that's good. That's good, a dog. Um, a goat used to be the guy who you blame the loss on. And now they make cakes to glorify these people. Yeah, just, it's, it, it's still hard for me to register those two. But it's just a reminder for all of you who are younger and, and totally comfortable with today's uh, slang, vernacular, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it for, for a lot of this, of us old fat people, if you're a dog, that's not good. Like if you called someone a dog, those were fighting words growing up. 
I mean, when you pointed at someone as the GOAT, you know, they were in shame. You weren't praising them. A little different. Very, very different today. When I hear these interviews and they start talking and they say that, you know, and obviously I, um, yesterday was UL Football Media Day. And it brought, it came up several times. And again, that's just, you know, it's like minute I talk about. You know, a minute to me was always a short period of time. Somewhere along the way, it became this long period of time. So dog, dogs became good things. Goats became good things. And a minute became a long period of time. It was always a short period of time to me growing up all my life. Suddenly, it's a short period, a long period of time. I can't figure that out. Uh, I, I really don't get any of those. But anyway, it is um, – it, 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 I have to do some second thought and really think about what, what, what people are trying to say because the first reaction is a bad one for me still. I haven't – I've gotten more used to this 17-game NFL schedule than I got used to goat and dog be, dogs being good things. But um, we will uh, – a little bit later, I don't have time in this segment to do it, but I will give you my impressions from what I've heard. There were a couple statements made at UL Media Day yesterday that I want to at least delve into and explain, and we'll do that a little bit later in the show. It's a fascinating scenario as we go into the season for sure. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Good morning, sir. Man, uh, so I got a question for you. Do, do you think that uh, the Saints actually have two number one corners? Oh, I, I think within two seasons, the, like I said the other day, within two seasons, the Saints are going to have the two best cornerbacks in franchise history on this team. And at the same time, now, is that saying a lot? No, it's saying a pretty good amount. Is it? Is it sound as good as it as it should be? No, because I, I've said for years, cornerback was – that's why I call uh, Marshawn Lattimore, that's day one. Because up until they drafted him, the Saints had never had – it was the only position on the field that the Saints in all their history of their organization had never had an elite player up. At. They had never had an elite cornerback before. They've had elite players at all other positions, but not that one. And so, and now I think they're going to have two. So again, I, I when we can when when I when I make this statement that this is the best roster the Saints have ever had, that's one of the huge portions of that statement is they have never, never had this kind of depth at cornerback and talent at cornerback before. Never. And, and 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 I and I hear you talk about that, saying that they had the best roster. And then every time I'm, I'm just listening to reports, every day, you know, Adebo is making plays. And and I just remember I kind of go back to last year and how well he played. And 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 initially the and, and he played the whole season, but always that first game against Devontae Adams always stands out to me. Uh, and and, and keeping. Keep in mind, he played the whole season. He started every game. He was one of the few players that started every game for the Saints. Uh, but but he, he every day his, his name is coming up. And, and I think about all the wide receiver talent that, that we have on the roster and everybody is 
so excited about the wide receiver talent, and he is dominating these wide receivers that we have. Even the number one that we had last year, who's number four or five. So it, it, it's just it's interesting. He's so aggressive. That, yes, he's so smart and, and he's so aggressive. And and we got back Tyron Matthews, and I'm like, man. We got two number one corners that can lock down. You can play man to man. What what you, the the things that these guys are going to be able to do? Dennis Allen with with these safeties, and you and you still got C.J. Gardner Johnson. And I'm like, wow, this 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 defense like I think it's going to be. If they if stay healthy, the if they stay healthy, it's going to be the most explosive defensive line they've ever had. It's going to be they have. It's not the best linebacking core they ever had, but arguably the best li- individual linebacker since Ricky that they've ever had in Demario Davis, and the best secondary they've ever had. And, and and they still have an elite running back. The wide receiving core is the best they've ever had. And everybody tells me this is a rebuilding year and we need to shut it down. And they have, I mean, I, I, and they might have the best punter they've ever had and maybe the best kicker they've ever had. I mean, yeah, this, this is, yeah, this is it's just be driving pretty, uh, me bonkers talking about this. I mean, I just, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the start of the season. Well, it's interesting that when you kind of listen to it, some of the pundits in, in the in the media, and you listen to the the guys that actually played football, like the Marcus Spears, the uh, Willie McGinnis was one, uh, a couple other guys that actually played NFL, and they, and they talk about the Saints. They always talk about, man, this is a really good. This is going to be a really good football team. And then when you listen to the other guys, like you know the uh, the lead analysts. Yes. Like ESPN and First Take and the Stephen A. Smiths, and you know they're like, ah, this is a rebuilding year. So I'm like, ha, ah, ha, this is this is a huge disparity between the two. Right, but, and, uh, and, and 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 I figured it out a couple months ago, and really all it is is they know those guys know one thing, well, two things, but one area. That 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 Jameis Winston threw thirty interceptions a couple years ago, and that Sean Payton, Casper DeQuitter is not the head coach. That's all they know, and that's all they care about. They're basing their entire opinion on the fact that Jameis Winston threw thirty interceptions his first season uh, under Bruce Arians as a head coach, and and that and that Casper DeQuitter isn't the coach anymore. That's all they know. That's all they're basing it on. That's it. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. But it's going to be a very exciting year, I believe. Uh, just hopefully, you know, the main guys, the main guys, because we, we always know we're going to have injuries, but hopefully the main guys can stay healthy and uh, and in the depth of show in the other areas. But uh, it's going to be a, a, a fun year, Kevin, I think. So, Bucky, you see, Belt. Oh, man. Thank you for the call, <laughs> sir. Yes, sir. I just saw a lady in the, in the hallway and – She's like, "Are you ready for the Saints season?" I don't even know how to answer that question. I really, I, I, I'm. On one hand, I'm so ready. I just don't know what to do with myself. And the other hand is, I, I just, I, my 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 psyche after the last two years is so fragile because of all the bad news. Like last every week last year was bad news, bad news, bad news. I mean, just the whole from the beginning of camp to the end, it was just. I mean, I never thought a winning season 
as a Saints fan would could be filled with so much bad, so ag, could be so agonizing as last year was. And you know, again, I I'm ready, but I'm really in one hand I'm as ready as I've ever been in my life, and the other hand, I'm as least prepared for, for what's about to happen. I'm really not ready. The answer to the question is I'm not ready. But I but I I don't I don't know that I can take five more weeks of hearing this or six more weeks or whatever it is of just hearing this garbage. I mean, again, I have no problem. I have not heard one person give a tangible. It doesn't mean that I'm 100% that I know that I'm correct, but at, give me a reason why, like a logical, football, intelligent reason why. I just, I haven't heard it. I have not heard it. All I hear is, well, uh, Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions three years ago, and 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 Casper DeQuitter's not the coach, so therefore it's going to be a rebuilding year. What? <laughs> this is not basketball. This is not a basketball team. Well, LeBron's gone, and you don't have your coach, so you're not going to be good. That kind of makes some sense. This is not basketball. Y'all are going to give me a heart attack. I mean, it's unbelievable. Just, It's just these people. It's just unbelievable. All right, we'll take a timeout. No, James. James is starting to get it. Like, I, hello. <laughs> He's getting it. I have never seen a roster like this, ever. Just got to stay healthy. Got to take a break or a timeout, and we'll come back, and I'll try to regroup. Going to enter. I I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to enter another frustration. Frustrating subject. I heard it yesterday. It aggravated me again, so I've got to try to get it out. I'm sorry. If they would just stop saying it, I wouldn't have to do this. But they keep saying it. I ignore it enough times, and now I got to get it out because I just can't take it. I'm uh, I'm just right on the edge of going, just dipping into pure insanity. Just can't take it anymore. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and address that all too familiar, over the top, frustrating subject for me on the game. One hundred three seven Lafayette, one hundred four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 5th, 1973. Atlanta Braves legendary pitcher Phil Necro no-hits the San Diego Padres in a 9-0 victory. It is the first no-hitter for the franchise in Atlanta. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Astros, game two tonight, 610. You can hear all the action right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. The game hotline is 706 0111. 706 0111. 
if anybody has any comments or analysis to give me to calm me down and get me ready for the Saints season and this NFL season, please do so because I I, I just every time I hear things that drive me crazy, I I just don't normally I hear things and it just goes I, and right now I'm like I just can't take any more of this. Just bad commentary. In my opinion, like again, I could end up being wrong. I don't see how, but I could end up being wrong. But I just want someone to tell me why other than, well, they don't have the same coach, they don't have the same quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, um, the other thing that drives me bonkers, you know me, I, I, I've come up with a, a term, the term QW, quarterback worshipers, they're everywhere. You know, like, this is the kind of stuff that drives me bonkers. Like, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers. He's, you know, he's Aaron Rodgers. And it's so funny because people now are starting to get Aaron Rodgers. But I've been telling them about that for a decade. Like, for years, first years on the, on the radio, like I told you all, the, the cheaters have a criminal. Their owner is a criminal. And y'all are praising these people. And then what happened? The guy went to prison, which is where criminals go. Prison. Not all of them, but most of them who are in prison are criminals. And, uh, yeah, was right about that. And and this guy, I told you, Aaron Rodgers is the, is the most conceited, arrogant athlete I have ever seen. And I think his actions and statements over the last three or four years has proven me correct. And some people are starting to get it. Now, so he's starting about how he went to, I don't know, South America, Brazil, or wherever he went and taking psychedelics. And that's the explanation for why he's won the MVP. Well, my first reaction is uh, it didn't help you against the cheaters at home in the playoffs last year. Or against the Yucks the year before. I mean, all you had to do was muster, what, two touchdowns at home against the Cheaters? You got you got beat in a game of horse by Jimmy Garoppolo because that's all football is, right? It's all football is. It's a game of horse between quarterbacks. That's what y'all tell me. That's what y'all believe. It's the game of horse between quarterbacks. So th- th- I guess he just didn't take his psychedelics in, in, you know, in the playoffs. Is that his problem? He only takes them in the regular season when he gets to the playoffs. He stops taking his psychedelics. That's all, that's all Aaron Rodgers. What a bozo that guy is. Incredible right arm. Great quarterback. I'm not arguing he's a great he's a great quarterback, but that guy, guy drives me bonkers too. By the way, before I forget, speaking of the Astros, psychedelics. Maybe that's Jake Myers' problem. He's taking too many psychedelics in Brazil. That's why he just looks like he's in another in a fog most of the time. 
Can can someone please get the psychedelics out of Jake Myers' repertoire? Man, that guy. He almost took out Olympus Diaz doing his psychedelics. Astro Weekend Getaway, Saturday, August the 27th. Register in the game clubhouse. You could win four tickets to the game, tour Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday evening. Astro, but you got to join the game clubhouse or you cannot win this prize. So Astro Weekend Getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right. If I told you in today's NFL that a quarterback's going to throw for 4,000 yards, have a career-low average yards per pass attempt of 6.8 yards, throw for 24 touchdowns and eight interceptions, you would say what? In today's NFL... He throws for 24 touchdowns, just a hair over 4,000 yards, and eight interceptions. You would say, that's a pretty good quarterback. Pretty good quarterback. That's a pretty good year. Not a great year, but a pretty good year. Well, if a year later that quarterback's throwing for almost double those touchdowns. What does that mean? Like the stats that I gave out were were were, were Brady's last year in New England. He was a middle of the road quarterback. Well, why was he a middle of the road quarterback? Statistically, I'm not saying his ranking in the history of the game. I'm talking about Looking at his stats for that season, he was a middle-of-the-road quarterback. He was probably on the plus side, but just barely on the plus side. And so, and he had a, and in the playoffs, he, he was awful. So you say, well, why is that? Well, because he didn't have a lot of talent around him. No, I agree. He didn't have a lot of talent around. I think most of you would say, well, he didn't have a lot of talent around. So he goes to a team that has tons of talent. And now he's he's even better than we thought before. And the reason why that other team won is because of him. I just see everyone buys that. But my mind, it just does it. If, if he's so great, then how come he, he didn't, he wasn't great with no talent? But he is great when he has all this great talent around him. I, 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 just, I just can't buy it. The QW mentality, it drives me bonkers. So if he still had mediocre talent around him, would he be great? No, but, he, but, but, but it's all him. He's the reason why the great talent did great. And he's great because the talent is great. But when he doesn't have talent around him, he's not great. Well, I thought he was great. Y'all kill me. 
Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin, good morning. Good morning. Hey, I want to uh, ease your mind a little bit about the Saints, okay? okay? Work with me on this. Okay. Sean Payton's gone. He's not going to sit there and call the plays that make you scratch your head anymore. That's over with. Dennis Allen's going to let the coordinators do their job. Jameis is very comfortable. He's very confident coming in this season. He's got a world of talent around him. Whatever happens with, you know, Camaro, that's going to play out. we got players that, that can play until he gets back. But the main thing is that the coordinators are going to do their job, and the head coach is not going to get in the way and call a stupid play that will make you scratch your head. I mean, you and I both know that Drew has bailed Sean out so many times on bonehead play calls where Drew just had to make something up and made it happen. And that's what I'm going to give you to help ease your mind because it's, it's going to be a much smoother run offense. You're not going to have a lot of confusion going on like you did in the past. You're not going to have some bonehead calls that just make you go, what are you doing? You're second and two at the goal line, and, and you run a dumb play. I've seen it so many times. That's not going to happen anymore. So hopefully that will ease your mind a little bit. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Just that calm, confident voice that he just called with helped ease my mind. So thank you very much for that call. Look, I think it's going to be a fascinating deal with the Cajuns and the Saints this year. Obviously, Casper DeQuitter had a great impact on the Saints organization. Had so many great victories while Casper DeQuitter was here. No doubt about it. So much, so many happy days. Same thing with Coach Napier in the Cajuns. <clears throat> Some great things set up, created a uh, like we talked about before the blueprint. Did some incredible things, but I think there are certain things about that Coach Napier brought to the table that I think some people within the program is going to be glad is going to be different. And there's going to be certain things that Casper did, to the last caller's point, that drove you crazy that you're actually going to be a little better in that area because they're not here anymore. And I still think the number one overriding point that the people who are anti-Cajuns, not anti-Cajuns, but think badly about the Cajuns and, or, or think really low about the Saints coming into this season, is that when a coach leaves – Everything that he built up over time doesn't eliminate, especially in that first year. So many people have this idea that it's like he's gone, therefore he's gone. Well, no, his influence is still everywhere within that program or within that organization. Everywhere. Now, in a couple years, it might fade away, but it's not going to, it doesn't fade away immediately. You still have the same, mostly the same leaders on the team. Their culture that they built is all still there. I just, I don't think enough people get that. All right. Thank you for the last call. And he made me think of something else that is going to be another fascinating thing to follow and, and thing that might worry me. It actually kind of worries me a little bit. And I'll, I'll tell you what that is. And some other things having to do with the Cajuns. We'll get to that when we come back after this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers. 
and the Houston Astros. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really, to his core, that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, we're about to get back to the game hotline. But before that, I want to remind you, the game clubhouse, 1037, the game, 1041thegame.com. would love for you to join the game clubhouse, I should say. And if you do, you could win $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Katie and a Boring Grill. Man, I would love to win that. I've had it's been a long time since I had a pot hamburger. If you've never had one, you need to go there and get one. If you and if you win that fifty dollar gift certificate, I would order the pot hamburger. Uh twenty five dollar gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. All these great prizes, including Astro tickets, you can't win if you don't join the game clubhouse so do so today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com you know every we some of us put little signs up to kind of help help with our mind or remind us of certain things so if i'm having a really bad day i need to have a sign and i can just turn it to it on uh august the 4th 2022 the lil mvps hit seven home runs dot 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 and lost that would brighten my day that's funny. I mean, now you want to talk about something that's just flat out funny. You can't argue how funny that is. That is funny stuff. And Hannah's little team gets to play him. So when you hit seven home runs, you got to pay the piper and you lost. <laughs> that makes you a two-time loser. That's funny, the little MVPs. But keep talking about them. they in the headlines. The little MVPs are leading the American League into the All-Star game. The entire American League is just following the little MVPs. Y'all just kill me. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. Uh, hey, I heard you before the break talk about uh, some things you had uh, concerns about with Dennis Allen. I think I might have the same concerns or, you know, I might well, be wrong. I don't know. But if like, you do, if you're gonna... thinking the same thing, and I don't know that I'm concerned about it. I'm just saying it's a giant question mark at this point. If let me, Tell me what you say because I, I will be impressed if we're on the same thinking or maybe that's but, bad for you if we're in the same I don't, um, you know, frame of mind. I don't mind. know if, it's, if you're thinking the same thing, but it's like what is he going to do in uh, pressure situations offensively? You know what I'm saying? Like well, is he going to let Pete Carmichael have total control or is he going to, you know, He's going to have some say, you know. Well, I think uh, he's. I I, believe, I, but. I, well, I think he's going to be a head coach, and what I'm, and, and so what you're saying is kind of what I'm thinking, but it's not exactly. Um, it. I think he's going to be a head coach, and and what I mean by that is he's going to determine if they go for it on fourth down or not. But yeah. but but but. 
But the play calls, I don't think. I mean, he might say, we're running the football right here and we're kicking the field goal. Because I do think he's going to think more like a defensive coach than right. he is an offensive coach in those game management type situations. And hopefully, you tell, like in the in the Tampa Bay game, he was a lot more conservative. Well, and, and, and for the most part, he was a lot more conservative. He was, but he had no talent on the field offensively. Yeah, so that, you know, and they were playing against an elite defense. The kind of things I'm talking about, which which again, I blame the head coach slash play caller for. If you have a good kicker and you're in field goal range, you cannot. It's not the quarterback's fault. It's not the offensive line's fault, in my opinion. It's the play caller's fault. You cannot drop straight back in the pocket and get sacked. If you're going to throw a ball, you have to throw it quick and it, or, or run the football or the quarterback run the football. You cannot get sacked and punt when you're in field goal range. That is the play caller's fault. So that those are the kind of things I think that he's going to have some input in. But I think everything else is going to be Pete Carmichael. Yeah, that's. I, I was just. Yeah, you know, I don't know. That's that. It'll be interesting to see like what he. Uh, I know preseason doesn't count or whatever, but to see what. Uh, yeah, they're not going to show the anything. Be called, pre- yeah, basically. right. Um. So. Like speaking of preseason, what what are you looking for uh, next Saturday? Are you looking like to see any positions? Because like, oh yes, I want like to see Lucas Crow catch a ball, set, right? I I, I want to see Lucas Crow catch a ball. I want to see Chris Herndon catch a ball. I want to see Abram Smith run the ball. I want to see Alante Taylor. Penny? I want to see who Trevor Penning. Right? Oh, I want to see Trevor Pitt. No, I don't want to know. I don't want to know that Trevor Pinning's on the field. <laughs> How about that? That's a good thing. If at the end of the game you say, did Trevor Pinning play? Oh, yeah, he played. But uh, we didn't notice it. That'll be a good thing. And, like, people keep on talking about Kyle Turley, right? And the only thing bad that I can remember that was really noticeable was that Jets game, right? Uh, Kyle Turley was an all-American jerk. See, I don't, I don't yeah, think that like, Trevor Pennon's an all-American jerk. I just think he just can't handle himself in the competition. On, on and like the, they have to be goading him, man. They have to be like exactly. You know, I think he's on the, the veterans other, yes. are trying to like push him, push his buttons basically. Yes, and yep. see how he responds. And you know, he's so far he's not better. doing what we, you know. But I like you know Dennis Allen. They knew what they were getting, and they even talked about you know. How that's half the battle is getting the passion, the other half is teaching them, you know, how to control it and all the other stuff. So, I think Anyways. Cam Jordan and leaders like that will help him. Hopefully, that that that'll happen. And like Malcolm Roach is supposedly one of the uh, like the best trash talkers on the field. You know, I got you. him and uh, CD Deuce. Anyways, so like uh, there was nothing. So what are we going to do with Tonsi Gardner Johnson, right? Because, like, supposedly, like, he's in this, like, mini holdout kind of deal, right? So, I mean, we have to sign him, right? Yes, yes, yes. We we have, like, the don't patrol equivalent of a defensive backfield. Yes, and I don't – I don't. I, they, they, they need to. Uh, I, I'm not going to allow myself to worry about that. I'm ignoring it. But my answer to your question is yes. Right. All right, Kevin. I'll All right. You. Thank, thank you for the call. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. All right, Kev. So here's the here's here's some positives on Dennis Allen. He's not going to waste timeouts. 
Right. He's not going to challenge plays foolishly. He's going to manage the game, I think, better. He is calling the defensive plays. He's going to lead the offense strictly up to Pete Carmichael. He's not going to try to meddle with that. And I think he's going to be fine. You know, look, he, he was in a horrible situation in Oakland. And, you know, the thing that, that upsets me sometimes, nobody mentions that Tampa Bay's got a brand-new head coach that, that hadn't exactly set the world on fire. You know, he had one good season with the Jets, but it's not like he was a, a world beater. But, no, because they have Jesus Christ at quarterback, everything's fine, you know, in Tampa Bay. And, um, no, I think, look, we just all need to relax. As long as we can get through the preseason healthy, I think everything else will take care of itself. No, I, I think I, I think you're correct, but I do think I do expect. And look, there there might there's going to probably be some times when he's going to be more like Jim Moore than we remember in terms of game management, where it might aggravate us a little bit because even if we we even if Casper to quit or drove us crazy sometime, which. He drove me crazy a lot during his tenure at times. That's why that's why his original nickname was Casper the Game Management Nightmare Ghost. But uh, but that was too long, so we just shorten it now to Casper the Quitter. But it it it, it there's going to be time. We still gotten used to coaching the way he coached, and some of it has produced good things. So there's going to be times where his conservative um, play calling or game management might get on our nerves a little bit, but. Uh, if the defense plays like it did a lot of last year, it's going to be justified. I'm okay with conservative as, with a defense like we should have uh, on the field. So I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. We, we shouldn't have to win shootouts this year. So um, we'll see. But, I mean, look, I'm not a betting man at all. But I'm so confident that me and five of my bu- golfing buddies, we all put up 50 bucks, and one of the guys who has the apps or whatever, when I saw the – the over-under was eight games in Vegas earlier this year. I said, my God, they won nine last year with that season. So we, we bet that, bet them to win the NFC South, bet them to win the, the uh, NFC, and bet the Super Bowl as well. So I'm just going to enjoy my little $50 run for the year, see where it brings me, and, uh, and, and enjoy this because I think it's going to be a special season. I really, I really do. Uh, Kev, I'm going to hang up and listen, but I just want to get uh, – do you know – well, I was looking at some old videos last night. I still can't believe we ever let Sam Mills go to Arnoldville. But do you know if he's going in the Hall of Fame as a, a Saint or a Panther? I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't know. No, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it has to be as a Saint because that was his best years. But 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 I don't know how that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm but so disgusted I, I that, by that whole situation. I've ignored it. I know, but I think the play. Well, the player normally gets to choose, but then in this case, it would be his family and Carolina. You know, has put the statue up outside. The, yeah, it's sickening. The whole thing's sickening. Yes. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it was a it between him and Wesley Walls and all that. But I, hey, you know, I was looking at the. Uh, uh, he had an incredible strip sack. Uh, I think it was on the Jets when he ran it back for like sixty yards. Um, and. Uh, uh, but another play where he had an interception. And, you know, I'd forgotten about who wasn't a bad safety for us back in the day was Brett Maxey. He, he, oh, no, he was good, he was and he, he he was a Benedict Arnold, too. He went over there, too. But I'm at the t- I got to take yeah. a break. I appreciate the call. Okay, man. Thank you. All right, Kevin. We'll take uh-huh. a timeout. We'll be back. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. We had too much fun in that last segment, so we're gonna. it's going to be a short one. Something we haven't gotten to today 
The Saints sign former Saint linebacker Kiko Alonso. Uh, he didn't play last season. They had released him the year before. Um, I don't really know what that's about. I mean, it could be, well, he's out there. He knows our system. We're familiar with him. He, we kind of liked what he did before. Um, we're just going to give him a shot because we like him. I, I, I don't know what all that's about as he tries to resurrect his career. It's a little bit surprising. Um, but, again, it, it is an area. Um, we kind of identified that in tight end as the two areas of somewhat of a depth need or at least depth question marks. And so it's almost like the Saints have taken the approach, we're going to throw as many darts as that need area, somewhat need depth area as possible. We're going to throw as many darts at it, and we'll see what sticks. That's kind of how I take that. But, uh, no, I, was I a little surprised to hear Kiko Alonso's name yesterday? Yeah, I was. But um, we'll kind of see how that how that works itself out. I would, I would be a little surprised if he makes the team. I'd be a lot surprised if he plays any kind of a significant role on the team. Uh, I kind of don't expect him to, to make it, but we'll see. I mean, um, Again, it's nothing wrong with having a, a body in camp that knows your system, that has played with you before, and just to see what they can do or if they have anything left or are they really just totally washed up. I guess there's no harm to it, but it does kind of raise some eyebrows about what they're seeing in camp from the backup linebackers now, even though we've actually heard some good reports. I don't know, just something to follow away and tuck away, and we'll see what happens as for, as the linebacker depth um, issues are, are addressed as camp goes on. That'll do it for the first hour, another hour to follow next on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Again, you can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706 706- 0111 706-0111. Did anybody watch Jacksonville versus Oakland Raiders Jags Hall of Fame preseason football opener last night? I didn't watch a play of it. I mean, I'm not. Oh, no way I would watch a play. I was watching the Astros. So what was going on between the Jags and the Raiders did not mean a whole lot to me, but um, never entered my mind as as an option. I was uh, watching the Astros, and, and in a commercial, I would flip to the Mets and the Braves just to see what was going on there. By the way, long fifty something games left. A lot can happen. Still, by uh, for the you know something that one of my pet peeves. It's still too early to worry. Don't buy these statements still. 
oh, there's too many teams to leap. Don't buy it. It means nothing. If you win nine in a row or 10 in a row or 11 in a row, you're going to pass up all the teams you need to pass up. All all that stuff's malarkey and foolishness. Just win. Uh, So we're still got plenty of games left. A lot can can change. Um, But it seems like, and maybe this is about three or four days premature, uh, but if if the Mets win another game against the Braves this weekend, they won the first one last night. If they win one more, I think you could say at that point, if they win two more, you could really say it. They've kind of withstood this incredible run the Braves went on because the Braves went on a pretty impressive run there. I think most of us thought the Braves – the Braves were going to surpass the Mets on this run, but they did it yet. And if the Braves, if the if the Mets win one more game, but especially if they win two more games head up this weekend, then they might have stayed, at least for now. I mean, you know, at that point it's going to be, okay, you made your run. It's kind of like in a basketball game, like you made your run, but we've withstood it. Now, again, I'm not saying it's over. There's 50-something games left. I'm just saying, like, if you look at this season as as in a basketball game, they the Mets, if they win one, but especially if they win two more games this weekend, I think you could legitimately say they withstood the Braves' run. Now, they might have another run. We'll see. But um, that was certainly a huge win last night. For the Mets, and we'll see what they do from here on out. I, you know, they 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 picked up. Everybody says the Mets didn't do anything. They picked up Knockhan. I think he hit two bombs last night. So if I'm a Mets fan, I'm saying, you see, you said we didn't pick up anything. I still think they they didn't help their bullpen enough. Um. So I I think that's going to be their problem. I think they have. Right now, he's the closer of the year in the in the in Major League Baseball. It's unbelievable the season Edwin Diaz has had, but especially two years ago, they were ready to ship him out of town. It's, you know that's kind of the life of a relief pitcher, but um, that that will be a series I'll, I'll certainly be keeping an eye on. I, I don't think they did enough with their with their um, with their with their bullpen depth. But we'll see how, how how it plays out. All right. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We talked about last hour how there's going to be some very interesting things to follow with the Saints and the Cajuns. I've talked previously over the years, and it's, it's really uncanny, how many years, not every year, but how many years in the last five or six years and even before that, it happened several times where the issues or the majority of the issues and characteristics of the Saints almost mirror image the issues and characteristics of the Cajuns. Obviously, this year you've got you've got um, two co- head coaches who are new who were promoted from within, one on the defensive side, one on the offensive side. You've got... Um, because of that kind of new coordinators, you got new defensive coordinators. You've got 
questions at the quarterback position. One of them is you you don't know in the Cajuns' case you don't know who the quarterback is, and in um, in the Saints' case, he, you know you have a, a still pretty young quarterback who had this nightmare season three years ago, and everybody just keeps harping on it and harping on it and harping on it. So he's got to kind of overcome that. Um, uh, both teams have a clear-cut number one running back, but you don't really know what's going to happen after that. There's some hope there, but you don't really kind of know what's going to happen. Both teams, for the first time in a long time, have a lot of talent and depth at the wide receiver position when a year ago and two years ago especially, and last year too for the Saints, was a, was a huge question mark. Both teams have issues on the offensive line, lost some players, have some talent there, but still it's like a question mark. Like how is all of this going to go together? Is the depth as good as we think it's going to be? And so both uh, have some issues there. Both teams seem to be really strong on the defensive line. Both teams seem to be really strong at the – in the secondary, both teams had injured kickers who are coming back. The Cages and the Saints have injured kickers coming back, and are they going to be as good as they were before they got hurt? Both teams have dynamic punters. I mean, it's incredible the difference, all the similarities between the Cajuns and 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 the Saints. And one of the things that's going to be interesting to follow on both sides as we hinted at last hour, is the little differences. Because the coach, the head coach is different. The little differences there. Uh, Oh, another thing that I thought about with the Cajuns and Saints. Both of them are playing in the supposed easier division and conference. Like the, um, you know, all the talk at Sunbelt Conference Media Days was that Oh, the, the Sun Belt East is unbelievable, and the West is just not good. That's essentially what the talk was, and that's what and and that's what we're saying in the NFL. The AFC is just unbelievable, and the Saints are in the donkey um, conference, which I love. Look, I've been on that other side before. That ain't all it's cracked up to be. I've won twelve games multiple times before, and not been the number one seed. I've won thirteen games, not the number one seed. That's not fun. So they can have all the, oh, I mean, this ain't like college. Oh, we have, this ain't college football. Oh, we the best. We the best conference. We need to get all the, um, you know, all that. The only subjectivity in pro sports is the officiating where that matters. It doesn't matter. If you win your games, you're in. There's nothing they they can't say, oh, the eye test. You you won these games, but no, that, that, no, that eye test stuff doesn't work in pro sports. That's college. Doesn't work. Doesn't mean anything. The eye test. You win this many games, you get to go. You get a chance. Now, again, officiating subjectivity comes into it, but subjectivity does not matter with the eye test. Doesn't matter how you win. Doesn't matter how pretty or ugly it is. So, but but getting to the point, one of the things, there are little things that are going to be different and may actually be better, we'll just see. One of the things that concerns me, I don't know if concerns the right word, but it I don't have any confidence in it because it hasn't happened yet. Is how are how is the plan gonna be under Carmichael 
different, perhaps, than it was under Casper to quitter calling the plays in two situations, third and short and fourth and short, and then in the red zone. And I think the Saints have actually been pretty good in third and short and fourth and short. I don't. I, I could be mistaken. In the year it seemed like about three or four years ago, maybe five years ago, sometime in that range. They they really struggled. It was like man, fourth and one. Here's another nightmare, and they just they just couldn't do it. Could not do it consistently. I mean, they did it some, but it seemed like in the last year or so, even though a lot of other things offensively did not go well, it seemed like they they had gotten to where they were pretty good at those third and ones and fourth and ones in terms of their game plan. They they were in a good feeling. So I'm a little worried because I don't know what Pete Carmichael's primary strategy is going to be in terms of uh, how are they going to, you know, because we've heard some talk that they're not going to employ these as many six offensive linemen sets that Casper kind of started to really like late in his tenure before he quit on the Saints. Um he, he's not gonna. Uh, he, they're not gonna do that as much. So is that gonna work better, or is it gonna work worse? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how that plays out. Another one along that lines is two point conversions. The Saints have been horrible, horrible at two point conversions over the last three or four years. I mean, just it's like you wonder, do they even ever practice it? So that's going to be another uh, little kind of feature, little area where it's going to be very interesting how a Pete Carmichael offense calls or what it emphasizes or what plays they have in their back pocket for two-point conversions because lately the Saints have been horrendous at that, horrendous. They have no idea. It's like two points. Oh well, we're not getting this point. I mean that you know they just it's awful. So that those are things. And then you know their strategies in the red zone. I, I think for the most part, I've been pretty pleased with how the Saints have executed in the red zone uh, because they can run the football pretty well um, in recent years from a from a play calling standpoint. Just because it doesn't work doesn't mean it's not a good play call. Sometimes you just have to give credit to the defense. But from a play calling standpoint, I've been pretty oh, – I've been pleased, content with it, satisfied with it, and we'll see how, how that changes. Um, it would help with the game management on the Cajun side in those kind of scenarios if they have a kicker that makes kicks. Like, again, they both had that problem last year. They, they, they didn't you, – you didn't know if you could make a field goal. And the Cajuns have had that problem for several years where they just didn't know if they could make a field goal. And so they went for it maybe more than they really wanted to because they didn't have any confidence in their kicker. But Kitty Almendaris is supposed to be is supposed to be healthy and ready to go. And he's lost weight. He's in better shape. And he's gonna they're gonna get back to being able to kick field goals, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's going to help the play calling and help the game management because uh, that was an issue in, in recent years. And I think a couple times they went for it, it was very frustrating just because they had no confidence in the kicker. So I, I think that's something that, that can help both of them. And I think, as we alluded to earlier in this segment, I think 
the Saints with Dennis Allen are going to – I'm not saying they're going to be Jim Mora because I think this offense is going to be more explosive, and we're about to get to that, uh, than the Jim Mora era, comparatively speaking. But I, I think it will be more a little bit more Jim Mora game management and a little less riverboat gambler game management. If the defense – it. Again, if the safeties can get on the same page with itself, with the rest of the secondary and the rest of the defense quickly like it needs to. If this defense fulfills its potential, I think there'll be a little more of that. And I think there'll there might be more when if if Kenny Amadeus can show that he can make kicks consistently, I'm sure because I think the Cages are gonna be good defensively too. And so I think that uh, they might be more willing to kick a few more field goals and the game management decisions would would be a little different. But all of that, well, but most of that anyway, kind of hit, kind of is based on or hinges upon this underlying message that I think we're getting, especially in UL camp but also in Saints camp that I don't know that a lot of us have really sunk our teeth into yet. And so let's do this. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, I'm gonna I'm gonna wanna address that underlying message that we definitely getting in UL camp yesterday. We got it at Media Day, but definitely got it yesterday. And I think I think maybe not even not enough of us have gotten that message in Saints camp as well. Um to maybe a little lesser extent, but we'll see. We'll discuss what that is next after this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Insurance company and affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Love the intro to that song. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about Astro Weekend Getaway Saturday, August the 27th. Astros will play the Orioles at Minute Maid Park. If you would like to win, you just need to join the game clubhouse. If you do, you'll be eligible to win a, a prize package, which would include four tickets to that game on August the 27th, a tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations. Astro Weekend Getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello, Kevin. How you doing? Good, sir. How are you? I'm doing real good. I, I got to tell you, I really enjoy your show. Here in Baton Rouge, we don't get any kind of show like yours. Yours is fantastic. It's, it's different, and you don't talk just LSU football, recruiting. I love LSU, 
I mean, some of that gets so boring and you get tired. You want to hear something else. I understand. Uh, I appreciate it, sir. I want you to know I appreciate you. And uh, I called because uh, Vin Scully died this week. Yes. And I wanted to relate uh, my favorite Vin Scully call to the Astros. I wonder if you remember this. Back in 89, when the Dodgers were the defending world champs, and they came into Houston. And now Ben was in St. Louis. This was a Saturday. He was in St. Louis doing the NBC game of the week. And so when that game ended, he gets on a plane, hurries up and flies to Houston. The, the Astros are playing the Dodgers. Well, that game goes 19 innings. You, you remember that? that oh, game, vividly, right? vividly. I remember uh, Valenzuela was playing first base. Rafi Ramirez hit a line drive off his glove, and the Astros won the game in 19 innings. Well, the next day, it's Astros-Dodgers again on a Sunday afternoon. My God, they must have been tired. Yes. But anyway, uh, this goes down to the bottom of the ninth, and the Dodgers lead by one. Craig Biggio is the batter. Yeah. And this is two men out. And this is Ben Scully's call. He says, long drive to left field. Don't tell me. And sure enough, Biggio hit a home run. And the Astros won that game in, in extra innings. And my wife, whenever she sees a game, it's going to be extra innings. Because I've told her that story a million times. She <laughs> says, don't tell me. But boy, that is he was so good, Kevin. No, he was, no, he was great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, what I remember about that game is the line I remember that game was Durker, Larry Durker was doing the color uh, for, for the Astros, and Jeff Hamilton, the third baseman uh, for the for the Dodgers, came in and was pitching some of those extra inning games, and he was throwing yeah. fastballs right on the corner. And Durker says, if he's doing this on purpose, he's playing the wrong position. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that too. Yeah. I, I, that, that winning run may have come off of him. I, I don't remember for sure, but boy, that, that was some weekend. That was some night. I remember, and, and uh, I remember the Biggio home run. Absolutely, that was tremendous. Yeah. Did you ever hear the the Scully call? I, I think I. I don't they, think somebody so. Somebody played it the next day. <clears throat> I might have heard it. I just I I, I don't remember hearing it. But uh, but 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 yeah, it was uh, that that was a that, you know you think about that sometime. How how do they play the next day when they play that long? But no, that was that oh. was great fun. <laughs> because we won, me, of course. Right. I, 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 right. My memory of it wouldn't be nearly as fun had the Dodgers won the game. Yeah, this is true. Yes. Now I was listening on WIBR in Baton Rouge back then and they had one guy running the board and I think he he just got tired. It was like two in the morning or sometime. He went home and the radio <laughs> station went off the air. And uh so I happened to just barely pick up uh seven forty, which used to run the Astros games right. out of Houston and I could barely hear what happened at the end of that game. But uh Anyway, I, I sure appreciate you, and I appreciate your channel for covering the Astros, too. All right. Thank we don't you. have them in Baton Rouge. Thank goodness we have uh, you first. But uh, anyhow. Thank you for the uh, call, sir. I appreciate it. Good hearing from you. Okay. Okay, Kevin. Thank Bye. you. Back then, 
we had a satellite dish, and I could get a lot of Astro games from the old school satellite dishes. And now, you know, you just got to watch them on DirecTV. No, that was that was, that, that that was great fun. I, I appreciate that memory. All right, the thing that I was talking about before we went to to the last break. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you this quote again. Not again, but I'm going to read you this quote. The quote is, it's going to be fun to watch a Cajun game again. Remember, the Cajuns two years ago finished in the top 25 in the country. Last year, they went 13-1, and finished in the top 25 in the country, won bowl games. And, and, and someone made the statement, um... It's going to be fun to watch a Cajun game again. So you say, well, what does that even mean? What's more fun than being 13-1? and And I think the underlying thought processes here or the underlying message that I'm hearing is that this Cajun offense – and I think it's going to be the same way with the K- with the Saints as well, are going to be much more pass-happy, much more prolific offensively than they've been. And therefore, for fans that want offense, in other words, for fans that much, much, much prefer a 34-20 to 20 game, to a 20 to 13 game will enjoy it more. It will be more fun for them because there will be more passing down the field. There'll be more passing period. Um, I think that's the underlying message from a comment that says it's going to be fun to watch a Cajun game again, coming off a 13 and one season. And, I think some of that's going to happen with with the um, with the Saints as well. I think the Saints are going to chunk it a little more than most people realize. Now, if you are a um, if you are one of these people who are so worried about Jameis Winston, you say, "Oh, I don't know, if that's a good idea." We'll see. But I I think in Cajun camp that you know you could hear it if you read between the lines. Coach Leger yesterday, the offensive coordinator, talked about how the group that could benefit the most from the quarterback battle is my group. And what he's talking about is wide receivers because he's the wide receiver coach. And I, I, I think, you know, Levi, you know me, I, I, if you listen to me over the years, I don't like left-handed quarterbacks and I don't like short left-handed quarterbacks even more. Do I like Levi Lewis? Yeah, I like everything he did as a leader. But in terms... When you're when you're a left-handed quarterback and, and you're a short left-handed quarterback, there's nothing you can do about it. Levi did the most he could possibly mean. He is what he is. He's short and left-handed. It's what he is. It's what he was. And he and he set all kind of records and was a tremendous leader in all of that. I mean, led the, you know, was the quarterback of a of a of an offense in a in a in a program that did things that it had never done before. But that doesn't mean that he, just in the area of passing that they 
pass the ball as well as they could possibly pass it. Of course they didn't. He was short and left-handed. But um, so there's only certain there's certain passes where it didn't work. So I think the passing game is going to be different. I think the receivers might like it more. And those who are more interested in the passing game, providing them fun in watching the game of football, will like it more. The real question, though, is will it produce more wins, as many wins? That's going to be an interesting thing. Are they going to turn the ball over more in that process and therefore lose more games? You know, I was talking about it yesterday, how you could make the argument that the three-loss team in 2019 – for the occasions, was the best of the last three teams. And I think some of us have that kind of in the back of our mind because that team was very explosive offensively. That team blew out teams, but they also lost three games, which the last two teams didn't do. Neither one of those teams lost three games in a year. They only lost one in each year. And so... I guess the word fun, when you analyze the statement, it's going to be fun to watch a Cajun game again. I think that word fun is a relative thing. See, for me, winning is fun. It provides me a lot of happy days. I've been there if you're a Saints fan. You haven't been there? You remember those? Throw for 5,000 yards, lose games. That's not fun. To, see, that, for me, that's not fun. Now, it's fun in the moment to throw a 70-yard touchdown pass. Fun in the moment to throw for 400 yards. But it's not fun to, um, to lose. See, I'm one of the other things Coach Leger said yesterday is if we have to run it 100 times or we have to throw it 100 times, we're going to do whatever it takes to win. doesn't matter what people think, essentially. He did not word for word, but essentially that's what he was saying. Um, you know, I think a lot of Cajun fans loved the impact that Coach Napier had on the program but didn't always love his play calling. Didn't always love the way offensive football was played specifically in the passing game. So they're thinking, well, the passing game is going to be much better, but that doesn't necessarily, and I think it will be. It will be different for sure. Better, we'll see, and that might be a relative term, but different for sure. The question is, will they win as many games because of that? I think they're going to blow out more teams. Again, it's a fascinating discussion because in 2019, they blew out Almost every one of their wins was a blowout, but they also lost three games. So do you want to win boring? Or do you want to lose more games? And it's not exact because, again, the, the, the blowing out more games I think is important because one of my biggest questions, it's a fascinating discussion for me anyway, um, in my mind anyway, because one of my biggest concerns is again, the Cajuns have been the Cajuns have won thirteen. They're going. They've gone thirteen and one over the last two years. 
in one-score games. That can't continue. You can't keep winning every close game. It just it, it can't be. You it, the the baseball part of my mind says you're you got to pay the piper in that area soon. So very important that um that they're able to blow out teams that they can, and I think they're going to be able to do that because the passing game is going to be better. The bottom line is is are they going to still be are they going to be able to avoid the turnovers that it takes to win those close games when they do play a close game going to be a going to be a very interesting season to follow along those lines and I I think the Saints have this idea that they're going to be able to be more explosive not so much because the quarterback's going to be different like it is with the Cajuns but because the wide receiving core is going to be much better and have more options to to, to do more things on offense so Going to be a fascinating season for both of them. We'll take a timeout, come back, talk more to you as we finish out this week uh, with these next couple segments on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. A vivid reminder. It's a long way there. A long way to the start of the football season. Lots of agony. Oh, between now and then. Welcome back to Footnotes. Oh, Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Game hotline is 706 0111. One one, yeah, the little cheaters with their criminal owner paying the players with dirty money. All the mafia ties. What an outfit that was. Boy, they love to glorify the little the little cheaters with their criminal owner paying their players with dirty money with mafia ties. They love that those people. I don't think that's the case anymore, and I actually think they're gonna be really good. We'll see how that plays out this year in the NFC uh, playoff picture. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. I have really been on Jake Myers' case lately. I just don't want to watch him play baseball anymore. I've done. I've had enough Jake Myers watching play baseball in my life. So the question today is, If you're the Astros, should you give a look to Jackie Bradley Jr., who cannot hit? Um, He was released by the Red Sox yesterday. So you don't have to make a trade. He's he's, he's released. Uh, Jake Myers can't hit. Jackie Bradley Jr. can't hit. Jake Myers can't field. But Jackie Bradley Jr. can field. So I guess the question is, 
Can Jackie Bradley Jr. hit better than Dubon? I don't know. Neither one of them can hit. None of those guys can hit. They just, they're not, they can't hit. Um, but Dubon's a little younger. He doesn't, he has some playoff experience, probably not as much as Jackie Bradley Jr. I, I, I'll listen to the Dubon argument there, but I definitely want Jackie Bradley Jr. on the team before I want Jake Myers on the team. So, again, I'm not – I don't know that – I'm not saying, oh, the, the Astros should definitely pick up Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'd rather have Jackie Bradley Jr. on the team than Jake Myers. Jake Myers is terrible. Can't field or hit or throw. And he looks goofy. At least Jackie Bradley looks like he belongs on a major league field. Um, so I, I don't uh, I, I just an, I don't know that the Astros are even considering it. I just know that me and a lot of other Astro fans have been crying for a center fielder, and Jackie Bradley Jr. can play defense now. He's actually been playing more right field, even though center field was his position by trade for most of his career because they got this guy Duran up, and he's done bay beat the beat the Astros on Monday, sickening, double and a home run. And but he's a hot prospect and done a whole lot yet, except for Monday beat the Astros when the Astros were doing us. Oh, we can't score runs at Minute Maid Park. Like they do way too often. But uh, ju- just something to throw out there to chew on as an Astro fan. Again, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., I'm, I'm not under any, any illusions. Guy can't hit at all. Can't hit a lick. Can't hit. He was never a great hitter, but he had that streak. What was that? Three years ago, maybe. He, he had like a 20-something game hitting streak. So he did some hitting then. Uh, but he was never a plus hitter. He was just... A guy could hit a little bit, and he could really patrol center field. Well, I still think he patrols center field better than Jake Myers. Oh, man, that guy. Awful. But um, just something to, to throw out there. Um, so we are, as David said earlier in the show, a week from tomorrow will be – the Saints' first preseason game. So we've got, you know, there'll be some more like Thursday and Friday of next week. But a week from tomorrow will be the Saints' first preseason game. And obviously we'll be, you know, he, he kind of jumped the gun and asking the question, what what will you be looking for a week from tomorrow? And I kind of gave him my answer in that I'm going to be looking at tight ends, Um. It will be fun to see Alante Taylor make plays. And and those are the kind of things as you read daily uh, training camp practice reports you're looking for. The, are the new guys seemingly making the adjustment to, to the higher level, making plays here and there? Are they competing here and there? And it seems like most of them are. And then you got guys who came out of last year and maybe didn't do which exactly what you wanted them to do. 
guys like Peyton Turner, who who, who I call Wayne Martin, when they when they drafted him, and he's a long way from Wayne Martin because he hadn't done a whole lot but get hurt. Wayne Martin played a lot and was very productive, just had kind of a common name and didn't have a flashy personality, and so you know he wasn't highly praised, but. In terms of consistency, he was about as consistent as you can get. And I I think Peyton Turner has a chance to – I don't think he'll ever be as good as Wayne Martin, but, but I think he has a chance to get close to the, closer to that. But, he, you know, he's, he, he's got to make that happen. But if he does that and Davenport plays to his potential, if he can stay healthy or get healthy because he, he had that weird amputated finger in the offseason – and Cam Jordan can play closer to how he played the last nine or ten games and not as, you know, not as much like he did the first couple month or so of last year when people were starting to doubt him. And, you know, the other defensive linemen, which re- really didn't have that great of a year last year, play better, and I think they will. I mean, again, I, I think this has the potential to be the best defensive line in the history of the Saints. They got depth. I mean, Carl Granderson's good. Like we don't we don't mention Carl Granderson very often, but I think he's good. Um, you know, like I think it'd be hilarious. I don't think he'll make the team. I think it'd be hilarious because Taco Charlton, what a great name. I don't think Taco Charlton's gonna make the team, but it'd be fun if he did. But I I, I think um, you know, Toto, all these guys. I, I just think this has a chance to be a really good defensive line. And as as long as 56 stays healthy, uh, you know, and, and Pete Werner, you like it, you, you like man, it's just It's hard to find a lot of weaknesses on the defense, folks, other than communication issues. And that's very important. I mean, they they cannot have all these communication issues like they had at the beginning of 2 years ago. When um, you know they were in Oakland and they couldn't stop the passing game of the Raiders, they had no chance. So it's all about communication issues. If you remember last year, at the towards the beginning, around this time last year, they interviewed Malcolm Jenkins and he said, "I've never been on a defense that was this far advanced this early in camp." And for most of the year, we saw that play out. Now. It's rough on a defense when the offense can't help you at all. It's rough. I mean, it, you know, again, it's a team game. Again, I know most of you think that football is a game of horse between quarterbacks. I get it. But but it's a team game. And even if your defense is great, if you don't get any help from your offense, it makes it very difficult. So the, I think the offense is going to help sustain more drives, score more points, Get across the fifty more often, where you 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 you're not start you know where your the other team is starting more drives inside the twenty. It's not all about scoring points and getting sacks. Sometimes you you know offense can help you win a field position game. Uh, and so, I think all things, all those things, it's just going to be as long as we've been talking a lot today about the Cajuns and the Saints. As long as those two offenses limit the turnovers most of the time and, and, you know, for the most part do a good job of limiting turnovers, well, you know, they're going to 
they're gonna the teams are gonna be in in great shape because both offenses I think are gonna be more explosive. And uh, we'll see how how it plays out from game to game basis. All right, that'll do it for this segment. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Finish out today's show and this week's shows as we uh, delve deeper into the Cajuns today, as well as the Saints, it turned out. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. I want to remind you or tell you that the third annual Shark Frenzy – Benefit on auction to benefit Southside High Band and football programs will be held from 6 to 10 on Saturday. They're still looking for more items to auction off. Any item donated will be appreciated. Again, this to benefit the football program. Southside football can be heard here throughout the uh, this fall at, uh, in our family of stations at Mustang 107.1 FM. Again, if you would like to benefit uh tickets are on sale for this frenzy through monday this coming monday the 8th and it, and the event is going to be saturday from 6 to 10 p.m august the 13th that's a week from tomorrow at the youngsville sports complex so i actually was at Southside high uh when was that wednesday for their picture day we've been doing a lot of high school football picture days this last week got about one more week left with it of that and um gonna be interesting offense should be a little better than it a little more explosive than it was last year but had some pretty big losses on the defensive side so we'll see how it plays out you know they did a south side has had the last two years have been very interesting in that you know they've they competed with acadiana for the first time they've competed very well with karen crow and i think most people feel like acadiana and karen crow um or you know, on paper, the best two teams in 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 that district coming into the season, and so uh, we'll see how if if they can just inch a little closer. I mean, they've showed signs if they can improve a little bit on offense this season. Uh, of Southside has of of you know maybe becoming that third, maybe even second best team in District Three Five A. So we'll see how that plays out. But um, if you're interested in helping them out. Wanted to pass along that information. We'll get to more high school football as we get a little closer. I mean, uh, if you've noticed the Advocate every day, we've been running a different previews for different teams each day. We've been we started that about eight or nine days ago, and we've been um, you know previewing high school football, and we'll be talk interviewing more coaches as we get a little closer to the season. But it's not that far away, you know. In about two weeks from now, we'll be getting really close to the start of the high school football season. So. Look forward to discussing that as well. All right. Hopefully, Framber can pitch well tonight. We will see. Again, you can listen to that game. Astros 6-10 first pitch at the Cleveland Guardians tonight right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Appreciate all the phone calls. Y'all have a nice weekend.